Wicket's World on ESPN Des Moines is presented by BetUS. Call 1-800-79-BETUS or go to BetUS.com. Enter code KRNT to get the biggest bonuses in the industry. This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday. Glad to be here. Another awesome football weekend. We will get to the Thursday night game from last night. Two teams going in opposite directions and why so much of the national media, I think, is getting the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh wrong. Uh, We'll talk some Iowa and Iowa State because there's nothing more Big Ten in the history of Big Ten football than the two stars of the Rutgers-Iowa game. They're not quarterbacks. They're not running backs. We'll get to that a little bit later. But first, one of the Big Five, of course, we got the Bears, we got the Vikings, we got the Chiefs, we got the Packers, and we got them boys, Dallas Cowboys, one of the Big Five fan bases here in the Des Moines area. Joining me right now to talk about the very interesting start to the year. From bloggingtheboys.com, Brian Martin is my guest. Talking Cowboys. Brian, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Doing okay. Glad to have you, my friend. Um, it's been, I mean, of all the teams in the National Football League, I don't know if there's been more of, because the I know the expectations in Dallas are always high. It's big D. I get it. But then to have Dak go out in week one and then Cooper Rush beat the Bengals. Like, what kind of a roller coaster ride has this been for you guys? Oh, that's kind of the way the Dallas Cowboys are. If you're a fan, you're used to it. But um, it, the start of this season has definitely been challenging. Uh, on top of losing Dak and seeing Cooper succeed in Cleveland, they also lost Tyron Smith. So, I mean, they're kind of patching things together right now, trying to find their way. I was going to bring up the, uh, the Amari Cooper thing because I watched him thrive yesterday, catching balls from Jacoby Brissett. And I don't know, obviously, with the, the, the injury to Dak and then week two with Cooper Rush, I don't know what to make of C.D. Lamb here in, in this year, what his second year or whatever with Dallas. Are, are Dallas fans, Cowboy fans, waking up today having a little remorse, a little regret that their team got rid of Amari Cooper? Oh, I think they had that regret as soon as they found out that he was traded. <laughs> a fifth-round pick. Um, it, it kind of pushed C.D. Lamb into that number one spot, not really knowing whether or not he was ready to take the reins. So um, right now we're still trying to wait and see how he turns out. Do you think C.D. has that number one wide receiver in him? Yes, I do. I think I think Kellen Moore needs to do a better job of uh, maybe designing plays to get him open. Um, so far, it's... Uh, he doesn't have a lot of support around him, but with uh, Michael Gallup hopefully coming back from injury this week, uh, that maybe takes some pressure off of him. Talking to Brian Martin, bloggingtheboys.com on Twitter. Follow him at Brian Martin NFL. I'm Mike Wicked here on ESPN Des Moines. Is Gallup back this week? Do we have an official word yet? Uh, nothing's official, but signs are uh, pointing that way. He's practiced fully in pads yesterday and I think today will be a second full pass. Um, if everything goes according to plan, I think you'll see him suited up Monday night. All right, so on that note, who is Noah Brown? Should I pick him up in fantasy? And if uh, Wilson comes back, should I just dump him? Um, I've been a Noah Brown fan from the start. He's unfortunately just been buried on the depth chart since uh, being drafted in the seventh round in 2017. He's finally got an opportunity to prove himself, and he's uh, running away with it right now. Uh, as far as fantasy goes, I think I think he'll still um, be a good uh, option for Prescott and Cooper Rush in the passing game. Brian, how do they beat Cincinnati? Uh, defense. Okay. Yeah, uh, their defense is the defensive front, especially, is playing outstanding right now. Um, nobody can come up with an answer out of slow down Micah Parsons and everybody else around him is just benefiting from seeing better opportunities. 
it felt like, because we had the game here, I think I was watching it on the red zone, and I, it was, I was watching it, and it just kind of felt like Dallas got out to a lead, and Cincinnati still hasn't woken up since losing that Super Bowl. But after they got out to their lead, it felt like Dallas was kind of, like you said, less, resting on their defense. I don't want to say punting, but it didn't feel like they were trying to, to do anything terribly aggressive in that game. Was that because of their quarterback, because of their coach? Was that because that was just their plan? I think that was a kind of combination of everything. I don't think they want to put too much on Cooper Rush. So I think they kind of went with a vanilla game plan to uh, kind of get him to settle in but not um, put him in a position where he'd make a mistake. Talking to Brian Martin, bloggingtheboys.com. Joining me here, you can follow him on Twitter, at Brian Martin NFL here on ESPN Des Moines. All right, this matchup with the Giants, normally it's one of those, especially if, if things were reversed or we could back up two weeks, and I'd be like, all right, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys against the Giants, this is a layup. But, Brian, it's a different team with Brian Dayball coming in. How scary is this Giants team from a Cowboys perspective without Dak Prescott? Uh, these two teams always battle it out. It's uh, always a tough game, to, uh, regardless of what their records are. Uh, this week, I, don't, I think it's be about the same. Uh, Dallas, they're going to have to uh, shut down Shaquan Barkley. I think that's the key to winning this game. If Barkley runs all over them, it's, uh, it's going to be a problem. But if they can do that, I think they can have a good chance of stealing one away on the road. Hey, Brian, I want to say thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. I know you and I had been uh, chatting back and forth the last couple of weeks and uh, finally getting some time with you. Thanks so much for coming on, and enjoy the game. Uh, thanks for having me. Take care. Brian Martin, bloggingtheboys.com. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Brian Martin NFL. Got a couple of stories. Uh, one about Noah Brown, who is a fantasy pickup. Uh, he's, a, he's a waiver wire ad. If you have not, I think he's available in like 80% of fantasy leagues. So if you are looking for somebody to add to your fantasy team, wide receiver Noah Brown might just be the guy, even with Cooper Rush, but more so when Dak Prescott gets back. And it has been a really strange year for Cowboys fans to try to figure out what exactly they have. Um, I, I think I made the argument last week, even before Dak got hurt, when he, or even before you know the season started, that Dallas had Dak finish that game against Tampa Bay. You know, I still don't know if I would put them ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles in that division. I mean, that Philadelphia Eagle team looks to be the class of the NFC East. And then while everybody had all these expectations in the NFC East for, for Dallas, you start to see as the injuries keep piling up and the talent just seems to be, you know, withering away. You lose Dak, you're down to Cooper Rush. And I know they won last week with Rush at quarterback, but nobody thinks they're going to win the division title and go to a Super Bowl with with Cooper Rush. Zeke Elliott is not the Zeke Elliott that we saw a couple of years ago. As a matter of fact, I would argue that Tony Pollard is the more complete back and the more valuable guy in that backfield for Dallas at this point. And I watched the, the, the Thursday night game last night. We'll talk about that coming up in a bit. But just watching Amari Cooper. You, know, you watch a guy like Amari Cooper – and, you, and if you're a Cowboys fan, like Brian said, they were mad probably the day the trade got done. But you watch guys, certain guys in the National Football League, like Devontae Adams is one of them. Amari Cooper is one of them. Just professional wide receivers. They do every single little thing well, and that's why they have so much success in the National Football League. And that's why no matter who you're a fan of, that's where you want your receivers to get to. And I don't know what the numbers were on, on Cooper last night, but it just seemed like he was open a lot in that football game and Jacoby Brissett found him. And maybe that's on, on Pittsburgh's defense. Maybe that's how they scheme things, things up. But even when Dak Prescott gets back for this Cowboys team, offensively, they don't look special. They don't look like a team that's going to scare anybody. They just look like a team that is kind of holding on because they have a good quarterback there in Dak. And you don't know if CeeDee Lamb is wide receiver one good right now. And they're still holding on hope to, to Zeke and to Pollard. You know, I think Pollard is, like I said, the more complete guy. They lost their big wide, their big left tackle in Tyron Smith. They're very young all over that line. And that's what's going to break the Dallas Cowboys season most likely is their inability to protect 
Cooper Rush, and when he gets back, the inability to protect Dak Prescott. They got a nice tight end in Dalton Schultz. He's banged up. We don't know if he's going to be able to go. You know, if they get Cedric Wilson back, I mean, it's it's it, we're not talking about adding Jerry Rice or you know, in Cowboys terms, we're not talking about adding Michael Irvin, the playmaker, back to this organization when he gets back. Or Michael Gallup, excuse me, Cedric Wilson. You know, you're not talking about different guys, these great players coming back, and none of it's going to matter if that offensive line can't protect. And I know that there's a lot of people in Dallas that are huge fans of Kellen Moore, and they think he's going to be the next guy, and he's the next, he's the guy waiting once they fire Mike McCarthy. No, the guy waiting once they fire Mike McCarthy is Sean Payton. Once they wisen up and realize that Mike McCarthy is not a good football coach in 2022, once they figure that out, they're going to go after Sean Payton. Now, they're going to give Kellen Moore. I, I think this team's going to wind up something like two and six after eight games or two, you know, three and five or whatever. And Jerry Jones wants to get rid of Mike McCarthy. You know, Jerry Jones wants to get rid of Mike McCarthy, but they can't bring in Sean Payton until next year. So, this is going to be, this is what's going to happen with Dallas. They're going to struggle. Even with or without Dak, that may be what keeps Mike around till Halloween. But they're going to struggle with Dak Prescott. Eventually, McCarthy's going to get fired midway through the season. They're going to give Kellen Moore a chance. And if you're not watching on the Facebook page, you realize that you don't realize that I'm doing the air quotes because Kara, this doesn't translate well to the radio. But they're going to give Kellen Moore a chance, which means they're going to have Kellen Moore play out the season as head coach. And then they're going to pay Sean Payton. Everybody and their brother knew that when Payton left the Saints, that the, his next stop was going to be in Dallas because he has connections. He's there. He's from. The, that's what's going to happen. And Sean Payton will be the next head coach of, of Dallas after they fire McCarthy and after Kellen Moore runs the rest of the year as the guy. They're giving him a look. It's not going to happen because if, if, they, if they hire Sean Payton now, they have to pay a bunch of money to the New Orleans Saints. So that's why Peyton's doing TV work on Fox, and he's got a podcast like 9 million other people have right now, like I do. You know, that's that's the whole point. But this Dallas team, even if they had Dak Prescott back, they look to be in, in a bit of disarray. And I know they just beat the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know if they're going to beat the Giants. They got to go on the road to Jersey to play the New York Giants. Brian Dable's got that team playing well. Now they got a couple of lucky wins, but you know what? A lot of this league is about getting lucky wins. Going for two at the end against Tennessee in week one. That was a surprise last week. This is a this team, maybe just maybe, as long as Saquon Barkley can stay healthy behind a terrible offensive line. Like both of these teams coming in have bad offensive lines. But maybe just maybe they have found something there with Saquon and Brian Dable. Did he unlock? Daniel Jones' actual potential. They've got a boatload of white receivers. You know all the names. Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay aren't getting it done. Wandale Robinson is hurt. But Sterling Shepard is playing very well. Maybe, just maybe, they found something. Okay, I'm going to switch gears, go to the Thursday night football game coming up last night. Uh, the national media is calling for something that I think is absolutely ludicrous. You'll hear about it next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Wicket's World on ESPN Des Moines is presented by BetUS. Call 1-800-79-BETUS or go to BetUS.com. Enter code KRNT to get the biggest bonuses in the industry. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. Boy, do we have a lot of sports for you. If you are looking for live sports this weekend, whew, we got you. All right, we got Cubs and Pirates coming up tonight. That one, I believe, pregame is at five with uh, Zach Zaidman. Pat and Ron will have the call for you. Season winding down for the Baby Bears. We'll have the uh, the Cubs and the Buccos five thirty five first pitch, and then tomorrow. Cool man. We got uh, we got Duke and uh, Duke. We got uh, Drake and Marist in uh, football, followed by Cubs and Pirates. Followed by we'll join up with the end of the Wisconsin Ohio State game. Man, we got games. We got live sports, and then Sunday, uh, I know we have the uh, with the Cubs and the Pirates early, 
And then we have some NFL game, right? What game? You know what, uh, what one we have, Kara? Oh, wicked. Yes. We have. Give me it. Ravens it, at Pats. Ravens Patriots. And Jags and LA Chargers. All right. We'll be catching the kind of tail end of that one, and we'll get to hear probably the first quarter right, of Ravens we'll, and Patriots. We'll get, okay. All right. Love it. Live sports <laughs> all weekend here on ESPN Des Moines. Um, so last night we got to watch the Browns and the Steelers. I I will tell you this right now. There are certain traditional games, whenever they're on TV, I just don't get excited about. And this happened to be one. And I don't know if I was ever really truly excited about Browns and Steelers, even when Big Ben was there and the Steelers were a perennial Super Bowl team and always good. But they're on a lot. They're a rivalry. I'm sure that's how some people feel when the Packers and Bears play. They're like, why are we watching this again? Stupid rivalry. It's one-sided. Why why is this on TV? Why is it on national TV? And there is a point to be made that Packers, Bears, I think, uh, who was talking about it? Was it Kyle Brandt over on the NFL Network basically begging the NFL to stop putting Packers, Bears on primetime? And I get it. Like, why would you want to watch that if you're not a Packers fan or a Bears fan? And because it's so one-sided, why would you want to watch that if you're a Bears fan? Like, it's the same story every week. And he was right. Aaron Rodgers comes in, obliterates Chicago. People talk about how bad it is. There's a picture of Favre. There's a picture of Ditka, whatever, you know, and all that garbage. But I watched last night. I watched for a couple of reasons. One, fantasy. Two, I love football. So it's on, and I'm watching it. And these two teams, at this point, neither of the teams are Super Bowl contenders. Uh, Pittsburgh will never be a Super Bowl contender this year. And eventually, you know that when... The man credibly accused by 23 women of sexual misconduct, Deshaun Watson, gets back in week 11 or week 12. Then all of a sudden, if Cleveland can tread water and get to, say, six or seven wins in the 11 games that Deshaun Watson, the credibly accused sexual assaulter, when he gets back, then I think... Give them a game or two to get ready, and and maybe that's a wild card team that can make a run because of how unbelievably talented the credibly accused sexual abuser Deshaun Watson is. Because he is. He's incredibly talented. We know what a great player he is. So, but last night, you get two teams going in different directions. You got one team trying to ascend and, hold, and tread water until Watson gets back, and then you got Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is the story today. Cleveland, even though they won the football game yesterday, Cleveland's not the story. The story everyone's talking about is Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. And when is it time to pull the trigger and bench Mitch Trubisky? Because this experiment so far is a total failure. I mean, I have said for years, Mitch Trubisky sucks. And it's true. Mitch Trubisky does suck. He sucked as a bear and he sucks as a stealer. Now, he doesn't have a great offensive line. But he's got an incredibly, very full, unbelievably talented group of playmakers to get the ball to, and they still struggle to score points. Because again, Mitch Trubisky sucks. <laughs> okay. Um, that is the fact. That's a fact. He was 20 of 32 for 207 yesterday at a touchdown. No, had no touchdowns, no picks. I don't think he's thrown a touchdown at all. Has he thrown any touchdowns at all this year? So the national media is now screaming for Kenny Pickett to get the start. All right, let's start busting through some of these because here's uh, Damian Woody from ESPN saying, start, it's time to start Kenny Pickett. Watching Mitch Trubisky out there, I don't know how much of a choice you have if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. I understand. Again, through three games, your quarterback has two touchdowns. That's not going to cut it in the AFC. It's just not going to get it done. He's right. Like, but what's your expectation for this team? What is your expectation if you're the Steelers? And I know, you know, publicly they're never going to say they're not trying to win a Super Bowl. But what's your expectation if you're the Steelers? Compete? Because they're not really competing. I mean, they had a lead at halftime in this football game yesterday. But then Cleveland, the better team, rode the, you know, the cream rose to the top. Is that the phrase? The cream rose to the top? Anyway, uh, sideline analyst... Max Starks from ESPN 
was asked about the development of the first-round pick, Kenny Pickett. If you insert Kenny Pickett into this position um, that the team's in right now, I don't know if Kenny Pickett is any different than Mr. Trubisky. So it's like, why put him in there if it's not truly on the quarterback, right? If everything else is going well and you say, I got to change this one gear here, which is a quarterback, and then we now start to go into a different direction, I don't think that's the case. I think there's a lot of gears that need to be put in place. And so anytime you're building a team, especially building a new team, you usually build all the other pieces around it before you build the quarterback. And so that's why you brought in Mr. Trubisky in the offseason and and the first time free agency was available you bring him in because basically Rudolph wasn't going to be that guy you needed somebody to push and then from there you say you know what let's also build on the future let's bring a quarterback in here one that we plan to start in a couple of years or a year or two instead of right now all right couple of things there from Max Starks first thing that he said in the beginning nothing will change with Kenny Pickett in terms of the team's offensive performance and I kind of agree with that you know, like, I don't, if, if, and this is where the argument comes in, do you put him in there to cut his teeth, to take a beating, to suck, to not be very good? Look, most quarterbacks that come into this league, almost all quarterbacks that come into this league, they're not Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, sat for a year. They're not Joe Burrow. You know, they're, they're, that they took him a year to be great. He was pretty good, actually, till his knee went backwards. We know that. I mean, Josh Allen was not an MVP candidate his first year out of Wyoming. So the argument of put him in, put Kenny Pickett in to me, comes down to, well, what is your expectation? Because I think if you're going to put Kenny Pickett in, as bad as Mitch Trubisky is, and Mitch Trubisky sucks, as bad as he is, Pickett's going to be worse. It's not a knock on Pickett. It's just the state of the situation. It's like... You know, he's a rookie. He's never played in this league before. The game's going to be very fast for him. I know he looked pretty good in the preseason. Nothing will change with Pickett. I would totally agree with that. But that being said, do you, if you put him in now, how mentally tough is this guy going to be? How mentally tough is Kenny Pickett? Like, that is the big question. Physically, he can play the game. We know that. But how mentally tough is Pickett going to be when he is sacked and beat up and hit? And if he do, when he does struggle, if he does struggle, I could be wrong. He can come out, out like gangbusters and lead the league in passer rating. Probably won't. But how mentally tough is Pickett? And how much do you want to risk ruining him? Maybe for the year, maybe for his career. Who knows? Is it worth it? Are you close enough where your team is, can support him? where your defense can win you games, where your running game can win you games while your young quarterback cuts his teeth. Where Where is that on your scale of the assessment of Kenny Pickett? The other thing Stark said there was you build the team and then you add the quarterback. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. As a matter of fact, you look at what they're doing in Chicago, it's the opposite, all right? Now, I think Justin Fields is in for a world of hurt. I voice that a lot. I don't think what you really do is build everything and then the quarterback. I think it's a smart thing to do, but I don't think it's what teams are doing in the NFL these days. That's why all these quarterbacks are going so high in the draft. Like, are, were the Jets ready two years ago to win? And they just were like, well, we got a team. Now we got to find ourselves a quarterback. No, the Jets suck. That's why they drafted Zach Wilson. That's why they added this piece. They added that piece. They've added Mims. They've added more. Uh, they added the, uh, the 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 defensive back out of out of Cincinnati to add to that defense. They took Brees Hall from Iowa State. Now I think that that's backwards. I think you're, he's what I think he's trying to do is justify the plan by saying, "Oh, this is how you do it." No, this is how Pittsburgh appears to be doing it, where they draft pieces and add the quarterback. But I don't think Pittsburgh's anywhere near competing, and I don't think putting picking in right now is necessarily the right answer. As for Trubisky, sad Trombonski, as my good friend Paul Charchian will say. He was asked after the game what went wrong. I think uh, a little bit of rhythm, and then we just didn't hit on the plays we needed to. We had some crucial plays in the second half that if we get those plays, it, it might have been a different story, and we just didn't hit on them. So um, I think there's a few more details in there that we'll have to go back and watch on the film, but that's kind of what it felt like in the second half, just those plays we need to hit, we just didn't. 
um, and, and, and we got to go watch the film and see how we can get better. Boy, the, uh, the worst thing to happen to Mitch Trubisky was the success of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, between Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes getting drafted after Mitch Trubisky and the success that those guys, the absolute, well, especially uh, Mahomes, Watson, wait and see. We know he's talented, but he hasn't done anything because his situation was bad. But Trubisky's situation was bad in Chicago and actually went to the playoffs. But you view Mitch Trubisky as a guy drafted at the top of the draft, even though he's probably a career backup, right? Like you don't look at me. I don't think anybody is clamoring to get Mitch Trubisky on their starting lineup because you know he's not long for Pittsburgh. He was a backup in Buffalo behind Josh Allen last year. Now he's a backup in Pittsburgh. He's not a backup. I take that back. He's a placeholder. He's there for a year. Because if if Mike Tomlin and company had had their druthers, they'd be treating him like the pack or like the uh, the Chiefs treated Mahomes. They have a veteran in there. Now Alex Smith is a much better player than Trubisky, but they have a veteran in there. They want the young guy to at least just hold the clipboard for one year. Unfortunately, the pressure in the NFL in 2022 you're rarely afforded the situation and the time like the Chiefs had. That doesn't happen very often. Because Alex Smith, all he did was kept winning division titles, kept winning the NFC West, Can't ever, will never ever be accused of being an MVP caliber quarterback, a championship caliber quarterback, but he was good enough to win 11 games, 12 games there in, in Kansas City, beat out Phil Rivers and whoever the Broncos and Raiders quarterbacks were, and win the AFC West. That's what they were hoping Mitch, Mitch Trubisky could do, is just be good enough to compete for a division title. He's not, and that division is ridiculously tough with Lamar and the Ravens, and then the defending AFC champion Bengals, and this Browns team that will be very good when the credibly accused sexual assaulting quarterback gets back in Week 12. As for the Browns, we're going to jump to the other side because there's some interesting uh, comments coming out of uh, the Cleveland side of last night's game. And my game ball, my guy, I'm going to tell you about the best free agent pickup in the history of my fantasy football career. I know you care about my fantasy team. It's next. You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Wicket's World on ESPN Des Moines is presented by BetUS. Call 1-800-79-BETUS or go to BetUS.com. Enter code KRNT to get the biggest bonuses in the industry. One hundred two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. Like us on Facebook. Hello, if you're watching on the Facebook page. Kira is on the other side. We've got the Cubs and Pirates coming up tonight. Also tomorrow, Cubs and Pirates, and then we've got Drake. What do we got? Drake football. We got Cubs and Pirates. We got Wisconsin Ohio State Cubs game coming up on Sunday afternoon early. Start. We got football on. So we got live sports all weekend. So if you're in Des Moines. Pop us on. Keep live sports on. We've got live sports. Last night, Thursday night football, Browns over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'll tell you what. I thought that the um, – we're going to go right to number five, by the way, Kira. Uh, I thought that the Browns were going to go one of two ways, and I was probably leaning on the other way. After getting – after losing that game last Sunday – to the Jets, a game they had no business losing, but they lost to Flacco in the Jets in that fashion that they did. It was like, which way are they going to go? And being that the Browns are the Browns, they don't have a dynamic quarterback, and say whatever you want about Jacoby Brissett, he's fine. He's a placeholder right now until the credibly accused quarterback, the credibly accused sexual abusing quarterback gets back. Make sure I get that right. So I was like, man, they're, they... they this could be a game where, where Pittsburgh comes into the dog pound and steals a win that they don't deserve because Pittsburgh's not a real good football team. No T.J. Watt in this game. And Cleveland got the job done, 29-17. 
outscoring them, what, 16-3 in the second half? Like, I went to bed a little bit in this one after the second half started. But Cleveland showed you something yesterday. Cleveland showed you that with the way that they are built, they're going to be a tough team to beat as long as they stay committed to the two things that they do. And Jacoby Brissett made some throws. Don't get me wrong. Like the touchdown pass that he threw to uh, David Njoku, that was a throw. That was an NFL throw. But this team's built on running the ball. This team is built on defense. This team is built on old-school football just because their quarterback isn't the most dynamic dude. But I got to give props to Brissett. I mean, his numbers. 21 to 31, 220, had the two touchdowns. Solid. I take that out of most quarterbacks in the National Football League. Here's his head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Thought he was solid. Just didn't start fast. There were a couple throws. I think he he want maybe throws slash reads or play calls uh, that we didn't start fast enough. That's me. I, I got to get him going early. Got to get our offense going early. So I'll take that. Made some throws. Made some big throws in big moments. Uh, you know, battled. He's, he's uh, doing a nice job. But this is a team that, you know, could have just laid down after the way they lost to the New York Jets and and after that short rest. But Brissett himself said that this team was looking forward to bouncing back. Just because it, it was such a short week, you know, I think we had the right men in that room to to be able to to get past it. And, 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 uh, and I think we answered that call today and uh, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. We had to look each other in the, in, the, in the face and look look ourselves in the mirror and say, like, listen, like, man, the season's going on, like, the, the longer we soak about that one, then we won't be where we need to be for this game. I think the guys answered the bell and, and um, came out with a big one tonight. I'd have to go back, but I think this is like Brissett's sixth team in seven years, and he's never really been given the opportunity to start. And once again, he's in Cleveland, and he knows that he's not the guy. I saw the most ridiculous question on Facebook today, all right? Now, I'm on Facebook a lot. I try not to get into fights. I think I made one Packer writer mad who was tweeting out a story about, you know, Packers landing somebody in next year's draft. I'm like, who cares about next year's draft? God. But I'm scrolling, and I come up to Pro Football Weekly, Mike Florio's site. And I get out, and I just I see this, this question. Can Jacoby Brissett keep his job? After Watson's return. I don't know how long, you know, you see this stuff on the internet. You have to check and make sure it's not the onion. You have to check and make sure it's not like a, Hey, we were just kidding. This was a legit article written by somebody at pro football weekly. And I just, I don't want to blast my brothers in the media, but who greenlit writing that story? Like, you know how, Probably at the beginning of the day, they're all sitting around. They're like, what story are you going to go with? They're going to go do this story on Favre and that dumpster fire out of Mississippi. And they're going to go do this story on uh, Tyreek Hill and, you know, the incredible Miami start to the year. Steve, what are you working on? Hear me out, guys. Hear me out. So Jacoby Brissett, career backup, playing okay after three games. Can he keep his job when Deshaun Watson comes back? They guaranteed that man $230 million. And unless some other legal action comes down upon Deshaun Watson, in the immediate future, there is no chance in hell. Or if he gets hit by a bus, there's no chance Jacoby Brissett, even if he has the best year of his career, there's no chance Jacoby Brissett is starting over Deshaun Watson. I could not even get the words typed fast enough to be an internet troll. I couldn't do it, Kira. There is no chance in hell. And I just wonder how much time people are standing around or sitting at their desk or on their couch tweeting like I do. Oh, I found it. And they're like, hmm, how much time could I spend writing this? That has to be a blank sheet. Like when you click on the link, it has to be blank. Because there can't be any justification. No one thinks, even Jacoby Brissett knows he's playing for his next job. Because he can start, I mean, he's showing you right now, you put him on a team with good running backs and a solid defense, he can win some games. I don't think, you know, it goes back to what we are talking about with Alex Smith earlier. 
You know, Alex Smith was never going to win you a championship, but Alex Smith can win you some football games. I think the same thing could be said with this Cleveland team. I don't think Cleveland can win the Super Bowl with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, but they can win eight, nine, ten games. Maybe. Maybe they can win nine games with Brissett. I don't know who Cleveland has next. They get a mini buy here. But as long as Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are running the way that they run, and it must suck to have to try to tackle Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. Those are some big dudes, and they run, and they are thick, and they are fast. I would not want to tackle those guys. Chubb last night, 23 carries for 113 yards, had a touchdown. I mean, at one point last night, I'm watching the broadcast, which, by the way, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet is a weird pairing on NFL games. I'm still not used to... Um, I'm still not used to Kirk Herbstreit calling the NFL. I, I'm, I think I said this last week. It's like Kirk Herbstreit tried to pick up bits and pieces to add to the conversation to make you think he knows what he's talking about. Herbstreit's best on these NFL broadcasts, in my opinion. Herbstreit is best when he is talking about their college days because he watched them in college because he's done all these games and he's done all the research for college game day. It just doesn't feel like it's the right fit yet for Herb Street doing the NFL. Just my two cents on that. You know, Al Michaels, legend, Hall of Famer, great. Herb Street, legendary Hall of Famer, college broadcaster. Not quite in the NFL game quite yet. But they did say at one point Chubb was averaging seven yards a carry against Pittsburgh. Now, there was no T.J. Watt last night for the Steelers, but he was averaging seven yards per carry. That's insane. Kareem Hunt, uh, 12 carries for 47 yards, caught three more balls for 14, so 15 total yards, and I'm sorry, 15 total touches and 61 total yards for Kareem Hunt for your fantasy team. Sam Ocho, Sam Ocho, excuse me, Sam Ocho from ESPN uh, says that the Browns are, you know, look, look, all things considered, especially what happened last week, they're moving in the right direction. This Cleveland Browns football team is built on running the ball and playing defense. So it's almost like almost no matter who, who you have a quarterback, they're going to win some games. But those first couple games they've won so far, you almost expected them to win these games, right? Like the Jets, I get it. They lost that one. But Steelers questions the quarterback. The question for me is going to be because everyone's excited. Man, this is the quarterback percent the future. And maybe, but they got some games against the Ravens. They got some games against, I think they play, was it Miami later on? They play some good offenses coming up later on this season. When you get into a game where, let's say, defenses are stopping that running attack and you need your quarterback to make some really big-time plays, that's when it will get really interesting. But for now, the formula is working. Well, they should be 3-0. and I mean, Cleveland should be 3-0. and This is a team that I thought was going to struggle for the, you know, 11 games that the credibly accused sexual assaulting quarterback while he was gone. I thought if they get seven, that's good. If they got six, I think that would be fine. I was expecting four or five. They're already at two and one, should be three and oh, but that Jets game last week. But don't dog on Brissett and his weapons, all right? Brissett hit uh, hit two guys for scores. One of them was Amari Cooper. And if you watch Amari Cooper, and I said this earlier when we were talking about the Cowboys and how they miss having a professional wide receiver, Amari Cooper, seven catches for 101 and the touchdown. And everything that guy does, he's so good. He's so solid. And to think that they only had to give up a fifth-round pick for him, as a Packers fan, I am very upset. Because that would have been, I mean, the Packers are always in on guys and never actually pulled the trigger on anybody. But that would have been a nice addition as opposed to Sammy Watkins. Just throwing that for a fifth-round pick. Maybe that fifth-round pick became Romeo Dubs. I don't have any idea. But the other guy, Kira, let me tell you a little story. How much time do I have before I have to go to a break? Not a lot. Can I do, like, two minutes? Yeah. Okay. For you, Wicket, it's your show. Kira, you're the best. Best producer in all of Des Moines. So I, I I am in four fantasy leagues. All right. I'm in two redraft leagues, which is what you're in. Kira's playing in their first fantasy league. And and we'll talk about your team coming up. <laughs> I'm in a dynasty league. In a dynasty league, if you don't know, Kira, you the team you draft, and I jumped in, somebody else owned the team, but like that's your team. Forever, you don't redraft, so you basically like you're running a franchise, like it's your dynasty. So you, they have a rookie draft every year, and you can trade picks and everything. But I'm also in a guillotine league. Now the guillotine league works like this: everybody plays everybody. Lowest team is eliminated. All right, 
but that lowest team's players become free agents in a blind auction. So by the end of the year, you're watching super teams get cut. Somebody's got to be last, right? But you have $1,000 free agent dollars to spend on the whole year, all right? And so every there's an auction on Wednesdays for the services of these players to add to your roster. And tight end, as everyone knows, is a tough, it's a tough, uh, it's tough to find a really good tight end. There's like four. There's Kelsey, there's Mark Andrews, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts should be better. Darren Wall. There's your big four, right? There's some other guys in there. So I put in a bid for the services of Travis Kelsey, because the guy who had Travis Kelsey on his team last week got cut. My tight end is uh, Dalton Schultz. He may or may not play. I couldn't. I was like, I, I, I don't know if he's going to play Monday night. I can't wait that long. So I put in a bid. I got busted. I didn't make, I didn't get nearly, didn't spend nearly enough money to bring in Kelsey. I think he went for like 550 bucks, which that's a lot of money to give up this early in the year. I put in a $1 bid on David Njoku from the Cleveland Browns last night because all you got to do is survive. And I needed like eight points out of him. And I know no one ever cares about somebody else's fantasy team. I always do. I love it. I'm a nerd. David Njoku, for $1, got me nine catches, 89 yards, and an athletic AF touchdown. Do we have uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett talking about Njoku? Did I save that? Let, let, let's talk about my fantasy MVP, David Njoku. Here's Jacoby Brissett. He always tells me he's always open. So, <laughs> so uh, I just remember, like, every time in the huddle, he's like, I got you, I got you, I got you, you know? And, um, and just another player that, you know, Maybe in the first game didn't see the, the touches that what, whatever the case may be and then uh, made some big catches tonight. I think he did a really good job. And, and nobody really gives him credit for what he does in the run game that opens him up so much in the pass game. I think he's doing a, uh, a great job. But we, like I said, we, he's still got so much room to grow. People were talking about Njoku as a breakout star this year. And, and maybe he'll be even a bigger breakout star when the incredibly accused sexual abusing quarterback comes back in week 12. But I can't wait to see what Kelsey does this weekend. He may blow up. Who knows? Because he's great. But I can text my buddy who spent 550 bucks of fab dollars on the services of Kelsey to his team. And I spent a buck to survive with David Njoku. And he had the best game of his career. <laughs> best fantasy pickup of my life. Number one. That was it. I know you care about my fantasy team. Everyone always cares about somebody else's fantasy team. I actually do care. I'll talk to you about your team any day you want. Anytime you want. Coming up, you would think that when two Big Ten teams get together on the football field, it's like running back and quarterback, wide receiver. The stars are coming out. Not when Iowa plays Rutgers. We'll tell you who the stars of this game may wind up being next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Wicket's World on ESPN Des Moines is presented by BetUS. Call 1-800-79-BETUS or go to BetUS.com. Enter code KRNT to get the biggest bonuses in the industry. One zero two one FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Had a heck of a week this week. Uh, went to go see Greta Van Fleet at Wells Fargo Arena. Have you seen Greta Van Fleet in concert, Kira? Nope. Okay. All right. I hadn't either. I had not either. We actually, we gave away a suite uh, with listeners. I, I do the morning show on Laser 103.3, and we gave away a suite and had a great time with Alex, our big winner, and his crew, and our guy Rowdy, and it brought his wife, and it was fun. It was a good time. Um, here's what I'll tell you about Greta Van Fleet. If you've never seen the band live, people are like, well, somebody asked me yesterday, who is she? <laughs> okay. Uh... Reminds, me, <laughs> reminds me of the line from Clueless. I don't know if you've seen Clueless. You might be too young, Kira. But when uh, what's-his-name is getting Cher into the car, and he <laughs> says, do you like Billie Holiday? And he says, I love him. <laughs> That's the way I felt having this conversation uh... with somebody uh, earlier this week. But, no, they... They sound, you know, everyone says they sound like Led Zeppelin. Yeah, they have a definite sound like Led Zeppelin for sure, high pitch and all that. And they sort of on this tour, they seem to emphasize that, like they're dressed in what you would call '70s gear. You know, 
A lot of the women had like bell bottoms on. Like there's a total 70s vibe coming out of uh, the Greta Van Fleet show. Incredibly beautiful. I got home from the show. My wife said, how was it? I said one word. I said it was pretty. The lead singer of that band is unreal. That voice is, I mean, it's crazy how talented. I don't know which Kizik brother it is, but it's one of the two. Mm-hmm. It's unreal. I mean, it. the voice is fantastic. They had fire and they had the pyrotechnics and they had the lasers. And it was it was like watching a painting. Good and bad. It was like watching a painting. And this is not a knock. You know, some bands, like if you ever, you've seen, have you seen Garth Brooks in concert? No. Okay, I have. Garth, <laughs> Garth moves all around the stage. And sometimes the stage is a ball or a circle. And he's doing laps around it. Because I saw him down in Kansas City once. And we were in the back of the stage. But the back of the stage is still part of the stage. Like he still comes because it's a circle. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you know, like Vince Neil, Motley Crue. Those guys are animated, doing everything. A lot of crowd interaction. Saw Shinedown a couple of months ago at the well. Brent Smith, the lead singer of, of Shinedown. Very interactive. Talks to people. Get The lead singer and most of the guys in the band, they don't move much. Mm. Not, But again, beautiful show. Sounded great. Probably the best sounding show soundstage quality-wise that I've ever seen at Wells Fargo Arena. Oh. Now, granted, we were in a suite straight back behind the soundstage. Mm-hmm. So whatever the soundstage guy was hearing, we were hearing, just elevated. But it was it was awesome. It was a really, really good time. Also, quick correction. You saw the pretty reckless with like with Shine Down. <laughs> Shine Down was the was the I'll admit, I would I, <laughs> I'll admit I'm a bigger bitter uh, a bigger pretty reckless fan than I am a Shine Down fan. <laughs> I mean, I bought an $80 sweatshirt that my wife was, like, looking at the credit card receipts. Like, how did this... <laughs> how did this happen? How did this happen? Now I have a hoodie with a blonde chick's head on it. Like, <laughs> the lead singer of the Pretty Reckless's head, she's crawling out of my chest. Um, but it was it was a, a fantastic show. If you ever get a chance to see Greta Van Fleet, definitely do it. Um, but moving back to football, this weekend, conference play opens for Iowa and Iowa State. Now, Iowa... Opening up the Big Ten slate, Spencer Petrus, the quarterback who finally against Nevada looked like he could complete a pass. This is what happens when you get Nico Regani back and they blow out Nevada in that seven-hour game that was rain-delayed and lightning-delayed four or five times, whatever. But Petrus, you know, said all the right things this week about opening up Big Ten play. Every game's critical, every game's important, but uh, our end goal of every season is, is to win the Big Ten and um, this is when we really start playing for them. You know, it's, it's uh, this is when it really counts. All right, fine. He's saying all the right things. No one's looking at Petrus or the Rutgers quarterback as the stars of this game. Do you realize that two of the nation's best punters are playing in this game? If you're an Iowa fan, you already know how good Tory Taylor is. But Rutgers has another Australian named uh, Adam Corsack who is an incredible punter as well. You want to talk about a classic Big Ten ugly field position game. I don't know what the over-under is in this game coming up on Saturday, but I would bet the under, but I would bet the over on the amount of punts that we're going to see. Because both teams, both teams rely on their punters. I mean, Rutgers and Iowa have both won games this year where they didn't score a touchdown. What? (laughs) It's tough to win a football game without scoring a touchdown. And this weekend's game in Piscataway, New Jersey, has two teams that have done it. Iowa's 2-1. Rutgers is 3-0. Rutgers is 13th in total offense. Iowa is 14th in total offense. That's unbelievable. So that's your that's your excitement for the Iowa Rutgers game, and I think it's Saturday night too. It'll be a crazy night game in Piscataway, New Jersey. Rutgers kicker or Rutgers punter has a streak of 136 punts without a touchback. I don't even know that's possible. Second team All American this year or last year, 12 punts, 42 yard average. Uh, you know how good Tory Taylor is. Seven inside the 20 this year, 10 punts, 47.6 average. And that is the most I've ever talked about punting in the history of my radio career. That is, I mean, that's a lot of punting, a lot of punting talk. Meanwhile, Iowa State, this is the game. This is an early game, too. I think it's a noon kick. Is that right? Noon kick for this one? 
uh, for Iowa State and Baylor, 17th ranked Baylor, 11 a.m. 11 a.m. kick up in uh, in Ames. Baylor opens the Big Ten, or sorry, the Big 12 at Jack Trice Stadium, and according to Matt Campbell, Baylor's built on one thing, and that is speed. They have a elite team speed across the board. It doesn't matter what the position is. What jumps off the film is elite speed. When you talk about their secondary, they can run and strike and they're physical. Talk about their D-line, they're big, they're strong, but they can really run. Linebackers play sideline to sideline. Then you jump to the offensive side of the football. It's the same thing. You got elite speed at the skill skill receiver positions. You got elite speed at the running back position. And their offensive linemen, yes, they're big, but they can really run. Who do you think would be favored in this game? 17th-ranked Baylor at unranked Iowa State. I would guess Baylor is the, the favorite of this. No, Iowa State's favored by two and a half. That's a bit of a surprise. No, Baylor's beaten nobody. I mean, if you look who Baylor's beat, I think it's Albany and Texas State. And they lost to BYU, 21st-ranked BYU. I'm t- I, after watching what Iowa State did at Kinnick against Iowa in the Cyhawk game, I'm buying in. I'm not buying in Big 12 championship buying in, but this is a good football team that Matt Campbell has that's going to jump up and bite some teams they're not supposed to bite. They're probably going to lose a game that's going to frustrate Cyclone fans, but Deckers seems to have a bunch of two-way ability. He can throw. He can run. Xavier Hutchinson is a special wide receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if they won this football game. Heck, oddsmakers have him as a, uh, a favorite. They're supposed to be the other uh, favorite in this ballgame. All right, that's going to do it. We are out of here. Are we done here, Kara? I have to stop talking? All right. Well, that is where it's at. Uh, thanks to Brian Martin from bloggingtheboys.com for coming on. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. Thanks to you for listening, whether you're on the AM, the FM, watching the stream online. If you missed anything, podcast at ESPNDesMoines.com. Bart and Han will take you the rest of the way up to Canty and Carlin. That's the other one. That's the other one. Cubs baseball coming up tonight. Thanks for listening. My name is Mike Wickett. This has been Wickett's World on ESPN Des Moines. See you next week.